Hello, fellow travelers. This is David Woods, your host and trusted guide. Welcome to our little fellowship as we gather to discuss the Christian life in a post-Christian world. We are broadcasting from Babylon with love. Last season, we ended the podcast with a two-parter in which Pastor John Hallowell and I talked about sort of the state of things as we saw it uh, heading into the summer of 2020. Um, this season, we, we opened with a conversation with the president of Fuller Seminary, Mark Laberton, taking somewhat of the pulse maybe from the seminary side of things about the state of evangelicalism. Um, and today, I am grateful to be joined uh, once again by Pastor John. And Pastor John, uh, I guess we would say as, the, as we now have turned the calendar over into a new year, um, this wild year of 2020 uh, is, is not really behind us, but, <laughs> but in some ways is over our shoulder. Um, where, do you, where do you see things for contemporary Christianity, um, for the sort of the state of things that that we are involved in in this in this country, and in the forms of Christianity or evangelicalism that you and I have sort of grown up in and participated in um, for many years, where do you feel like we're at? If we were to take the pulse today, if we were to take the pulse in this moment, uh, the beginning of 2021, um, what kind of maybe what kind of things? Uh, maybe what kind of things keep you up at night? Maybe what kind of things um, have your attention? What, what things maybe are getting clear? What things are still a little, a little shadowy? Where do you see contemporary Christianity at this moment heading into the beginning of this new calendar year? Well, first of all, I want to say thanks, Dave, for <laughs> having me on the podcast again. Of course. And I don't want to speak out of the context of of the president of Fuller Seminary. Uh, I'm just a person who's tried to serve in ministry for, you know, 36 years, 30 something years now. Um, and uh, in, in, in that, uh, I was hoping to uh, retire, hand off a thriving ministry to you at, at 70 in three years. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, just kind of a sketchy, long-range plan. Just watching all the young, uh, young bucks and 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 uh, enthusiasts grow. And and um, in from my perspective, uh, I just want to speak out of that today. Yeah. Because I, I'm still um, absorbing some of the shock. Yeah. Of what's happened. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to be very careful in analyzing what's happened. Um, and you know, we, we stand here, I don't know if you want to edit this out or not, but we're, we're not completely, um, out of the woods as a country with, with the things that are happening, but it looks like our institutions of democracy are going to hold. Some of them are mm -hmm. going to hold and mm -hmm. we, it looks like we will have a transfer of power. Um, you know, who knows what that's going to take. We're a few weeks out from that totally. Um, but I don't think the, the, same, uh, the same fate is going to happen to evangelical Christianity. Mm. I, I think some of the institutions have, hold, have held 
but not many. And I think we have uh, a meltdown. And it surprised me because um, I thought that what was happening in our country would would result in a, an exposure of the spiritual shallowness associated with the moral majority, the hypocrisy, the self-righteousness, the, the mixing of politics and, and faith, and, and that it would shake out with the moral majority uh, sliding into decline, being obvious to more people, and that there could be a reemergence of, of evangelicalism, contemporary Christianity that could resume um, its, its own voice and, and practices. And uh, I, I don't think that's true. I, I think that, that everything has changed. I think that there's been more damage to contemporary Christianity than any other facet of American life. Mm. And let me, let me tell you why I say that so you don't think that I'm... Um, you know, just pulling the, the fire alarm bell here. <laughs> but um, I think that it wasn't so much the election of Trump in 2016 as it is the re-election of Trump in 2020. Mm. Uh, you know, the old thing of uh, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Um, and uh, let me let me go deeper into that. Since this is a podcast, and yeah, you can, yeah. you know, we're in a garage. We can kick our tie all. off. Over there. <laughs> I don't have a tie on. But, um, okay, so um, I had was I was looking at the polls, and I had thought that up to the election a few months ago that that uh, you know this was all going to be okay. People were seeing the insanity of this. They weren't buying the con. Um, you know, the polls showed a rejection except for this hardcore base of, you know, somewhere eight, ten point advantage for, for uh, Biden and looked like a, a refutation of, of the uh, total uh, uh, Trump era. And, um, and, and I thought that was going along okay. And then election night came along and um, I started uh, following the exit polls. And there was this alarming thing in the exit polls of, of uh, evangelical Christians. Their opinions were, were like way different from, from every other group in America that were, that were being polled. Um, you know, uh, suburban housewives were, you know, there was a trend there. Uh, and, and you went right down the line, and 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 there was a this this refutation uh, by eight to ten points, a rather large electoral vote, that we weren't going to go further with this. This was not in anybody's ad, uh, advantage. So so these polls started showing up of the exit polls. Now the thing about polls is they're always a week behind, right? And and so you know when you take a poll. You're looking at last week's news and opinions from weeks ago sometimes. But exit polls are like, that's in the moment, okay? So things, for example, of could there have been more loss of life prevented if, if uh, uh, Trump would have taken things more seriously with COVID? Okay, so the, the country's thinking 70-30, uh, absolutely we could have done better. And evangelical Christians are like 50, 55, 45, mm. like... No, what? Where's that coming from? You know, 
Um, whereas weeks before, it was evangelicals were like 70-30. They were like right in there with the general uh, population. Okay, so, uh, you know, then we had the election and, uh, and we had the, the controversies afterward. Uh, but, but, you know, the uh, Biden flipped five states and, you know, still ended up winning by 7 million people and, uh, you know, and had, um, uh, you know, and had a, uh, you know, pretty much a four and a half point lead. Okay, so then I, I started following the, um, the um, uh, investigations afterward, okay? And I'm talking about poll investigations. Why were the polls so far off? What was happening with why showing eight to 10 and then in that moment four, four and a half points? How, what happened? So in the analysis that, that the early analysis, and this will come out like in the next few years, these will be refined and they'll be, you know, pretty well, you know, they're mathematics. So uh, they're, they're, they're not poll science. They're the aftermath of poll science or the mathematics of who actually voted which way and, and, uh, and, and you don't have this funny business of somebody telling the pollster something different right. or, or all the poll being from landline calls. And, you know, <laughs> none of that stuff is a part of the aftermath analysis. So there were some some predictable things. Um, you know, there were populations down in Florida that got especially catered to. And they had, you know, it was predictable they're going to have a large uh, vote a certain way because they're they're they stood a lot to gain with, with, with particular, um, uh, votes. And, and, uh, and there was some stuff that culturally may have been, uh, uh, you know, it may need some explanation. Uh, the, the male black vote in cities was surprising. And there are these sociological phenomenons of the macho man, the, uh, you know, the, the, the admirable stand up to everything. That, that maybe evened out some of theirs. But everything else was right down the line. Uh, uh, black women were overwhelmingly uh, for the Democrats. The, um, uh, the suburban women overall were rejecting the, uh, the, the moving forward with this. Which this was, was different from 2016 for that Very vote. different, yeah. yeah. Quite a, that, quite a that vote had swung wildly. Right. It was like, yeah. they're not buying this yeah. stuff, you know. Uh, but the one vote that changed and evened out in the last few weeks were um, white evangelical women, and in a huge way. So the and, and I and I'm not speaking here politically or even religiously. I'm just speaking uh, demographically and, and vote wise. So the phenomenon uh, beca- became connected with this. Re- return home. It's a phenomenon in voting where, where people think, well, I could vote for the other side. And, and, and they tell the pollsters and they, and there's a big kind of a a trend and a swing that way. But then at the last minute, they, they go back and I can't do it. (laughs) Okay. So, um, and, and so as a result of that, the, the analysis is that, um, for evangelicals as a group, voting 80% to reelect, uh, to reelect the guy who um, who has a number of things that uh, that that have have got to be objectionable or explainable. Um, okay, now I'm going to go through a little list here. Okay, 
And then I'm going to explain uh, why if some listeners going, wait a minute here, this is just politics, that it's not just politics. Okay. A guy who lied in 2016 campaign, he was really negotiating for the Trump Tower, and he told the American people, I have nothing to do with Russia. And then uh, having been caught on the Access Hollywood tape uh, with his words and, and written off as just locker room talk, paid a prostitute to, or a porn star, excuse me, to be quiet uh, with a huge amount of money, which he, he, which he took a tax write-off for to his attorney and wrote the checks in the White House. Uh, a man who obstructed successfully an investigation into himself, uh, dangling pardons and, and uh, threatening and, and uh, uh, just acting wildly with, with, uh, with, with people to, to get them to stop and not talk. Man who in Helsinki uh, chose uh, Putin over his own CIA, his own NSA, uh, and, and visibly on the world stage. A man who ordered kids to be caged, and yeah, Homeland Security did it, but he put the people in place who would do it, and then and then got them out when they tried to rectify the situation, and they intentionally cut off from their parents 500 kids at least, maybe over a thousand, maybe thousands, by 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 destroying the information that would get them back to their parents one day stated as a lesson for people who would come to America not to come. Uh, a man who was um, impeached for, for trying to falsely accuse a political opponent by, by conscripting a foreign government to make up stuff uh, about a, a political opponent, impeached for that, not removed from office, but impeached. Uh, a man who gambled wrongly that uh, COVID would not kill and grow to such a, a size, gambled and stepped in in, in uh, April and May and, and overtook the, uh, the, the medical industry and started directing on his own for society to ignore this insidious uh, pandemic. Uh, and, and he was wrong. He, he was just flat out wrong. Maybe in his lifetime, everything went away because others worked on it and he never had to worry about the flu or anything else. But he was the, the guard. He was the gateway to America and, and uh, he steered it a certain way. And he is also the, the man who fomented the racial hatred during the summer when there was a reckoning demanded. And he not only rejected the reckoning, but he cracked down on the protesters and, uh, and, 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 uh, and, and just became um, really uh, uh, almost like a dictator in the handling that. And so, and so the re-election was about saying that this man should be president again for 80% of evangelicals. Now, if the person who is going, oh, come on, it's just a vote, you know, we just vote or whatever, that, that's about the most powerful thing you do as a citizen. It's about the most powerful thing you do as a Christian in terms of how you relate to this world. And, um, and it's a moment of reality. It's a moment where whatever you think you are as a believer, whatever you, however far you think you've progressed in your attitudes, 
when you vote, you are making the confession of a person. You are, you are in a, in a way, uh, making a confession of faith. And, and so on the basis of all of this, I think that, uh, that it, that it's shocking. Uh, the, the demographics of the vote are shocking. And now let me, you know, if I can, let me just explore that a little bit because because you're getting my thoughts here. You're not getting something where I'm going to be, uh, you know, uh, ex- explicating this out uh, fully. And and these are thoughts. This is unplugged. We're at a podcast. So hey, let's uh, let's just think it through a little bit. So I had always thought that that um, that the spiritual maturity that kept the big contemporary church together. And that's all it did. You know, we don't have a leader. We don't have a, a Protestant pope. So we have this, this amorphous type, I don't know, gr- national group, contemporary Christian. Uh, it's got parts of it uh, that, are, that have been thriving. Uh, evangelicalism. Uh, uh, there, are, there are parts of it that are... Uh, you know, that are discernible, like the uh, prosperity people, the, uh, uh, you know, there, there are parts of it, the moral majority. Uh, there are parts of it that they're just in this big uh, bubble of contemporary Christianity. And then you have these, these uh, national pastors or national voices that always spoke into this big amorphous body of, of believers and we respected some and we discounted others. We, uh, we allowed some for the, for the minor groups. And, but there was always this moving together as a huge group. And, and then there was the parachurch. You know, there were organizations that supported this uh, community of faith, this national community of faith. And, and, um, and, and so uh, they, they kind of bolstered it. But, but there was a lot of responsibility of the people. And 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 this is what was shocking to me that I always thought, well, you know, this is dangerous because a charismatic person could come along. And, you know, we don't have a pope, we don't have an authority that will stand the ground and resist the pulling away of people and their and their views. And and so you know, I always thought that that uh, a charismatic figure was our vulnerability. And I even thought that up until this election that that was our biggest. Um, uh, vulnerability and that um, uh, spiritual ma- maturity in this big group of, of believers would prevail over any charismatic figure and in, in even the current one and uh, what what caught me by surprise was the dismissal of spiritual maturity not to charisma but to authoritarianism and I had not seen the gravitas of that. I could not imagine a group of people who follow Jesus as the, the chief authority following after uh, a, a human authority. And, and, and I just, you know, to me, I look back and I reflect and I go, you know, it's, it's got to be in how we walked with the Lord. It's got to be in the things we considered you know, there wasn't this instant reflex of, I'm not listening to that. I'm not going there. I'm not, hey, man, get out of here. Uh, so for four years, there's been a, the bulk, 80% of people have gone down this pathway of, of listening to an alternative reality that, that, that isn't true 
And this isn't just uh, red versus blue. This isn't just political differences. This is, this is a cult. This is deception. This is the detachment of reality. And, uh, and so, uh, so, so in my reflections, I'm thinking back now, where am I partly responsible mm. uh, as a person? You know, what, what is it that allowed a group of people to, to listen to a man defend himself and go, I'm the greatest person in the history of the American presidency. And, and, and what you're hearing there is lies, even though this, this, uh, this commission uh, said it wasn't. And, and uh, you're listening to fake news. You need to not listen to that. Uh, what is it that made people just go along with that? Um, and, you know, I don't know what areas of this uh, are worthy of our conversation today, but I know that for, for us, for example, uh, you know, college-educated person learns that you check your sources for, for, for information. I mean, that's, that's been our way of life for, for decades and decades. And, um, you know, so, so it doesn't mean you have to go to college. I mean, the Internet now has even things out, but, uh, but you always check your sources. And, uh, and, and so you, you don't have people self-testifying about themselves. When a man comes along and says, you know, the seven major news organizations, they're all fake media, uh, you know, uh, NPR, PBS, uh, NBC, ABC, CBS, uh, CNNN, CNNN, I can put an extra <laughs> N in there, MSNBC, they're all, you can't listen to them, you can't believe what they say, they're all false information. But what I'm going to give you is correct information, okay? And, and uh, my one channel, for, for a while there, it was my one channel, now it's three. But that's the information you need to have. You're not allowed to check any of it, uh, whatever checks there are are false. Uh, this is how you have a cult start. This is how you get a cult. Um, and, and I'm rambling here, and stop me if you want to interrupt. But, you know, in my course of ministry, there are two, um, two incidents that really uh, I related to uh, during the last few months. Um, one of them, when we first started uh, Zoe Church, when we broke off uh, from... Capo Beach Calvary in 2004, uh, there was a woman, and I'm not going to name her here. I hope I don't name her. There was a woman who came along with us out of the, uh, out of the bigger church and into the smaller church, and she, uh, she um, uh, asked me to come to her home because she had a son who was into uh, racial violence. He was a member of the KKK, uh, and he, they lived in San Clemente, and she said, I'm so afraid. He's so violent. He's so unreasonable. He's so irrational. He's going to hurt somebody or he's going to hurt me. I just don't know what to do. And, and, and would you talk to him? And um, I did. Uh, and I went, I went on numerous visits over there and we sat in the backyard. And he was pretty open and honest with me about his violence, about his hatred. Um, he had a lot of scriptures that he quoted to me. Proof text, they were. Now, very much a, a way of thinking of, of this, is, this is what is threatening us as a country. This is what we've got to do. This is what the Bible says we must do. And God is with us. And um, no, matter what, um, no matter what I tried to discuss with him about Scripture, uh, he, this in his mind, this was his authority, man. This was fixed in his mind. And 
we didn't end in a bad way. Um, you know, we, he and I were friends as far as you can be friends like that. Uh, but, um, but I had no, no sway over him and frustratingly so. And, and that incident, um, was, was something that shaped and formed my understanding of the human mind. And another, um, another incident that happened was, was I was asked to be involved with deprogramming a person who was locked, locked into the Boston Church of Christ, which became the LA Church of Christ, which is a mind control cult, at one time rated in the top, uh, top five of American mind control cults. Uh, you know, they, they came into your, your home, they rebaptized you, they took over your finances for single people, they told you who you should date, who you could marry, uh, they took total control of your life. Uh, you had uh, joy until you didn't have joy anymore. As soon as you didn't have joy anymore, then the exorcism started on you. You were evil. You had let evil in. Um, and in, in deprogramming this girl and talking her through, uh, trying to get Scripture back in her life, the, the damage that was done to her and understanding Scripture was far greater than anything I imagined. She couldn't put two scriptures together without this interruption of flow of thought. It was broken inside of her. And I was, I was like really amazed at how deep it had gone. It was like, no, this can't happen. And uh, so uh, I did work with her for about a year, little progress. She got out of the, the cult, but, uh, but it was devastating to her personally. And she wasn't able to to um, uh, move forward as as easily as, as my idealism about the Holy Spirit and the Scriptures. Um, something had been corrupted inside of her that that was broken down now, and the, and the simple ability to hear uh, the Word of God and just rejoice in the Lord and 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 not have these other things step in there uh, that shocked me also. So I see that happening. Now, I see the contemporary uh, Christian church, and it's going to go on as normal after the next couple of weeks. It's going to get back to, hey, we provide relationship with Christ for the whole American culture. We provide our, our foot in the battle for the American culture. We, we give our blessings, um, but it's, it's not going to be the same. It, it, it has lost something. Uh, and that, and you know I'm sorry to, to hog all of the no 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 podcast. I'm I, one of the things that strikes me is you know we've ministered alongside each other for 15 years and I used to think oh man you know like you were so careful about political stuff in your preaching in in your conversation with people you know it was. It was around, it was a thing, it was in the canopy of people's interactions with their world and the way they thought about certain things. And you know, you know, toes can easily get stepped on and this kind of thing. Um, what strikes me so much is that, you know, I, and I, I used to be, you know, I think I was more willing, probably because I had much less to lose <laughs> as the younger person doing the midweek kind of thing with maybe a younger crowd that, um, you know, is 
okay with hearing things that are a little more provocative or whatever. Um, but that used to be much more comfortable in my mode if I was to address something politically or something current or whatever. And I always respected, you know, how sort of careful and <laughs> restrained you were uh, when it came to things over the years. And, and that's what I think is so, I think that's a really important um, reminder and lens because when you're saying these things, um, you're not, you're not, you're not the person who has always been saying things like this. You know, you're not, you haven't been saying, oh, the sky's falling, the sky, every election. You're not the flight 93. You're not, you certainly as a minister have, have not gone into places like that. Um, even when plenty of people from one election cycle to the next over the last several decades, uh, have regularly, um, that's, that's never been your thing. You've always been more, more thoughtful, more grounded and more, more cautious than those things. Um, and, and that so, was intentional, Dave. I, yeah. Because because the era that we were in... Because it was a different era. And, and yeah, yeah, sorry, go. Yeah, and 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 the the premise was that you could have differing opinions. And, yes. And uh, you, you could take the uh, voter, uh, conservative voter card and vote that way or not. And it had no bearing on your day-to-day walk with the Lord. Uh, you got baptized. You dedicated your children. You you loved God. You didn't uh, you didn't mess with uh, the relationship between yourself and God. You you saw Jesus as the Savior of the world. You, your voice was one of worship, whether you were one side of the coin uh, or the other side of the coin politically. And and I appreciate those comments because I was really trying hard to do that. And <laughs> it was obvious to me. <laughs> Because I was a little more shrill or shrieky, you know, from time to time. And you were not because you saw it as a particular moment in which, especially people at our church, right? Mm-hmm. Like that there there could be these differing opinions and that was part of, of moving forward together in yeah. these ways. And Well, and I, w- I was wrong about that. And, and I think I understand the reason now why I was wrong. I underestimated uh, the ability for people to be led a different way. Yeah. Uh, so, so the way our our faith is constructed in America, it's kind of volunteer faith. It's right. kind of like, hey, I, I'm going to that church now. I'm listening to that pastor, but but we're not really listening to that pastor. We're like picking and choosing what we agree with in some sense. So, you know, let let me just backtrack to get to your point. Yeah. So so 2016 comes along, and and uh, uh, you know this this great big community of contemporary Christianity is going along and all of a sudden there's two witnesses saying go a certain way go after uh trumpism and at that point it was just this candidate who's going to break the mess and the gridlock okay so uh, there were two prophets two voices from the parachurch industry you know there's jerry falwell jr who at a certain point says i'm now for donald trump i was for uh, Marco Rubio or, or uh, Ted Cruz. I was for my candidate, but now I'm endorsing this man. So, so hey, big church, contemporary Christian church, vote for this guy. Um, you know, and 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 we know how that turned out. Um, turns out that at the time, he though he was leading the largest um, uh, you know Christian school in the country and the descendant. The, the first generation descendant of the start of the moral majority, though he was those things, 
he was a man living with a wrecked life. Uh, you know, there were, the, and, and I don't, you know, just to be sure, uh, you know, uh, sexual indecency going on behind the scenes. So, so the prophet was the prophet of hypocrisy. Right. <laughs> I mean, this was a hypocrite right. prophesying, going to follow this man. And then the second voice was after the, the, uh, after things started to act up in the, in the campaign, things started to look goofy. Like, hey, are we really following? Are we really going to vote for this guy? Put this guy as president? The second prophet comes along, and it's James Dobson. And James Dobson tells the uh, contemporary Christian church, well, he's just childish. He's just a childlike believer. Baby faith. Just a baby yeah, faith. Yeah. And so don't worry about the things you're hearing and saying. Ignore them. So, so, it, so with Falwell, you had the, 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 the prophet of hypocrisy, and, uh, and, and with Dobson, you have the, um, uh, the lack of integrity. I mean, the guy doesn't have to have integrity because he's growing. He's, a, you know, so, so you could wave off uh, integrity and you could wave off consistency. And, and that broke down the, the resistance. Then, the, then the, uh, the, the person got in the place. And when the person broke off the, 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 uh, the, the new information coming in, uh, you know, I started to say this before, but uh, for example, when, when the uh, Mueller investigation came out, okay, um, there's all kinds of spin. Everybody knew there's going to be all kinds of media spin, okay. So, so what the person does who, who's, you know, legitimately trying to make this America thing work is you read the report to see what it says, you know, could see for yourself. You know, you realize that the media has liberal bias and journalists are liberal and you don't, you know, you know, they harp on things. But, but you don't just go to the other side and go, I'm going to listen to the conservative al alternate uh, reality people here. You know, you get access to the information. You go to the source. So, and it was a, you know, it took me like four weeks to read it. I mean, it was like, this is boring, but <laughs> this is important, okay? Uh, so, so the picture of, of reality that's laid out in a, in a court trial <laughs> setting, basically, um, was was open openly disputed it was called a hoax it was fake it was uh, you know so so you've got you don't just have one political side against another you have another reality and and you have a person saying that that's not me what 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 they're finding about me that's not true that's that's their own political force and when you know we lived through the drama of that so we could tell uh, but but here behind the scenes now we find out that uh, that that in the cultural war circle, you have this um, uh, you, you have this situation where you have Jerry Falwell Jr. representing the leading support from evangelicals. His wife is 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 uh, leading the way as a spokesperson for uh, these uh, white evangelical women who who are gonna um, you know they're gonna lovey dovey. Uh, love their man and and keep America on the right track, and it's corrupt and it's and it's vile, and uh, and and you're plodding along just just uh, realizing the 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 corruption and the pathway. So so years have gone by. Four years have gone by where where someone has been leading, a person has been leading, who's 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 saying. You can't believe anything you hear or see. 
you, you need to trust me, believe me, trust me. He kept saying, I'm the only one who can, who can, who can do this. And so the vote is not just, it's not just a vote like anything in our lifetime. It's the endorsement of a person with claims that are vile, with claims that are cult-like. And, uh, and so that's why I say that the, that the damage to the contemporary Christian community is, is the most. It's, it's greater than the, to the political institutions. It's greater than, because, because we have no way to fight back. So now you have, you have a situation where you have 80% of people who have gone down a cultic road for four years. They don't know, they don't know all of the things. They've disbelieved all of the things that have really happened. They've rejected them. So you have this situation now where um, you can't just go back to normal. You, you can't go back to uh, the, way, the way things were and just say, well, he did good. Uh, we got, you know, wh- whatever we got this out of that. Because now you have, you have um, a damaged understanding of history. You have people thinking that history happened a certain way and it didn't, Okay. <laughs> There really was a, um, a pandemic. There, it really did kill more people probably than World War II when this is over. Okay? You really did have a generation calling for a, re- for a racial reckoning. Like, how can you allow this to go on? How can this go another generation? Um, these are realities that, that we, we live with now as Americans. And the, and the spiritual... Um, people can't be saying well that never happened we don't you know we don't need that and uh so so that's where where i say and and i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna um circle back around and complete this circle now so my opinion is that the final few weeks of campaigning was trump getting back out doing these rallies being heard again and rather than the 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 come home political philosophy this is Lot's wife. This is people mm. turning around and looking, going, "Well, you know, it wasn't so bad. <laughs> uh, right. You know, I, I like the life there." And 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 after all, uh, you know, they're saying it's gonna it's gonna be good again. It's mm. gonna you know it's gonna be great. And 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 so this is the Lot's wife phenomenon. And you know, I, I'm speaking in general terms. I know there's some people will be offensive that that um, you know this might be misogynist or whatever. I'm not trying to be that way. Uh, I'm trying to say that we we have uh, 80% following in a cult-like way a misogynist, a racist, and uh, and 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 someone who thinks of himself in such a boastful way that it's it's offensive to even anybody. So so I I think what keeps me awake at night is uh, there seems to have been irreparable damage to what we knew as Christianity, what we saw as a way of faith. And, and just to get back to, and I believe that's real, let me complete the answer to your question. So, so we're going along for the last few years, and I'm, and I'm talking to people who, who, are, who are buying into this other thing, and I don't know how bad they're buying into it. I'm thinking they're just like evaluating it all, okay? So at a certain point, you know, try to hold hands with them and say, okay, let's together, let's jump off the train. It's okay. <laughs> we'll be okay. And they're not jumping. They're like, no, we're, this is where America needs to go. This is, this is our path forward. This is what I am. 
and uh, and I saw people choose something over their faith, uh, and I and I I take partial responsibility for it. I realize now that perhaps if teaching had been more uh, more rounded out, more formative, people's instinct would have been different when they heard something like, uh, you know, I'm the greatest president in the history of of America, or I alone know how to fix this. I mean, the, the, the well-informed Christian would listen to that and go, something wrong with that statement. <laughs> you know, I don't know if I can follow a man that, that says that type of thing. And, um, and, 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 and I, I really think that contemporary Christian Christianity's weaknesses were fully exposed in all of this, that the prosperity gospel, the idea that, that if you make the economy great, all problems will go away. We can sacrifice uh, justice for, for profit. And you go right down the line and, and uh, you know, uh, truth. Uh, you know, prophets are saying this. Oh, they might be true. They could be true. Uh, and the leaving of the word of God behind in the dust, only using it as a proof text. Um, and, you know, we're all going to have our moments as Americans, you know, of, of uh, you know, the picture of Trump standing in front of the, uh, the, the church in Washington, D.C., holding the Bible up and, and like 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 some type of wild scene. S- statement that's being that's being made uh, and how how misinformed and how delusional it is to think that 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 would communicate a message to a group of faithful followers of Christ. And yet, Somehow you know, it, it worked. Yeah. Yeah. No, like you said, I mean, it's been it's been shocking to see the fruit of however many years or decades of this of this collusion between a form of maybe um, a nationalism and, and popular Christianity, um, you know, that moral majority, you know, turn the turn to state power, the turn to you know, God's real plan is to use America as this vehicle of all blessing. And what that must mean then is that we must install people despite, apparently, despite character, despite all the things that I was raised uh, being told were essential um, for voting for president and things like this, um, that it really was the bottom line, you know, like, well, you know, did we get these these policies? Did we get this justice? Did we get did we get these little markers that are going to ensure a form of sort of Christian involvement with with real power, i.e., political power, so that we can steer cultural, you know, the way we think it ought to go, right? That that something like that, which you know, again, I I've been much more shrill about, but obviously my audience in, uh, on Thursday nights is largely younger as well, so much more open to probably just cynicism about politics in general. So I don't know that I had much of an uphill battle uh, talking about idolatry and Christian idolatry in, in, in this country in those kinds of ways, but it still, it still has still, even though I've been talking about it for 15 years, it still shocked me as you said, how many people have 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 drank in the Kool Aid? Have have yeah. gone have gone so far, and 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 it has. I mean, it's it's so it's so absolutely occult in some in some obvious ways where you you know it, you can't admit you're wrong. You know, there's no criteria for discernment. There's no way of of getting out. You know, it's always 
misdirection about the other side. Like anytime I would raise objections or alarm, it would be like, oh, so you're for the left? You know, <laughs> it would be like, it would be this thing where like, that must mean, and I'm like, no, I'm not in the same culture war you're talking about. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying if I'm against this or against, you know, things that have clearly departed from scripture that I'm for something else politically that may have no reference to scripture either. Right. Yeah. I mean, that there is not this binary choice in, yeah. in all reality between these two things. And that partly buying into that was like people pulling that, 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 that lever at the last moment or hitting that button was, well, you know, then the socialists are going to win or something. Right? right. It was, it was ultimately like, you know, it was a, it was an agreement that true reality is just this binary culture war. Yeah. And so I have to finally um, side with this group because as a group, right, this is the group that isn't going to destroy the country and this kind of thing. Yeah. And, and to me, then the success of the, of the sort of pundit class or not even the pundit class, but the success of the radio sort of jockey, the, the success of a certain kind of talk radio personality that, you know, I don't know, wasn't always fringe, but was like, obviously sensationalist was like it was almost like that old time sort of huckster kind of mode or whatever as that kind of huckster mode became the christian mode <laughs> as that kind of that kind of rhetoric of absolute alarmism about our neighbors um about our neighbors destroying our our culture about our neighbors destroying our country about all these things about the vilification of people um as christian leaders as you said got more and more comfortable um, saying things yeah. like that, it was shocking that 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 was not the the ripcord. You know, it was shocking that look at the end of the day, I'm commanded to love my neighbor, so I can't buy into things where I I vilify the left or the anything, right? The some group of some things, right? Like that that's not a, a plausible category for a Christian to be passionately stirred or or deciding things, right? I mean, like that, the, the willingness to go along with this us-them language of the culture war, I mean, shouldn't be shocking because it's been decades in the making, as you say, but... It, well, there's also been an inversion of authority. Right. Okay, so, so I think, you know, the transmission of Christianity, you and I have talked about this for, for uh, many years, over a decade, that, you know, the intended transmission of Christianity was to be... Uh, person to person, it was to be the spiritually mature then help the young to 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 grow in christ and and it 's a mentored uh, hands on human activity of growth and and there 's a certain certain authority that you give to someone who 's led you to the lord someone who's who's uh, who 's over you in 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 the maturity level. Uh, you find it in scripture with uh, don 't let elders be young people because they 'll be deceived and there's a certain uh, uh, generation to generation, you know, hand to hand, all the way down, handed down. Uh, this is the way that you that you pursue godliness, and 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 so now, uh, you mentioned the the radio voice. So now that that voice of maturity is gone, and it's still speaking, but no one's listening to it. The only thing people are listening to is from now the highest authority which is the authority on earth that should have been left in heaven i mean we should have a structure within contemporary christianity that's 
authoritarian with Jesus on the throne right, right. King and Jesus. authoritative yeah. with the word right. of God that, right. that we have access to the authoritative material that we teach and we preach and we proclaim. The authoritarian is in heaven on a throne who, who we acknowledge no one gets in that place. We, every day we get up and he's our authority. And, you know, I, I, I taught recently on the, uh, the, the parable of the wedding feast in Matthew 22. I've always viewed that as my, uh, my caution with teaching and ministry that the goal here isn't to get people into church or to be famous or to have a large following. The goal is to get individuals clothed in righteousness at the Last Supper, you know, at the last uh, banquet, mm. the wedding feast of the Lamb. Yeah. And, that, and that, that there's always a need for reflection and, and uh, always a need for introspection to make sure that those are the goals, you know. Uh, during the time where, where um, uh, you know, the, the seeker-friendly movement was at its best, okay, I was always very nervous about, uh, you know, promoting chocolates instead of the Word of God. It was like, I don't know that we're allowed to do that. I mean, I don't know that that's going to get more people into church, but man, we we got to watch out because, you know, we're not, uh, we're not given authority based on a, a, a a um, denomination or, uh, or, or or an ancient connection with a particular institution, okay? We're we're like claiming authority of the Word of God, and uh, we got to be really careful. We don't drift off of that without a human voice going, "Where are you going?" <laughs> mm-hmm. So so I always like was retrospective of that, and 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 in that way, and and so the 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 teaching that we have the. Um, the way in which we encourage people uh, always had to be in the right direction. But people have left the barn. They're like, we see a means to an end. We see where we want to go. We're voting for this. Mm-hmm. And what's happened is the whole inversion of, of authority structure. The, the authority structure is now in a national person. It's in a, invested in a person who's making up stuff as he goes mm-hmm. and, and just looking out for himself. And yet he's leading now he's the chief authority voice and you know you've heard it i mean you know eric metaxas saying it's time for us to die for him it's yeah, time no i mean it's <laughs> it's it's so i mean it's just so insane and and i think this is the thing it's like you know we're this is a critical moment for the church because it's the church that has gone along with this it's not that uh, there has never been politically corrupt figures. It's not that either party has never had, you know, absurd characters and been willing to lie to get their way or whatever. It's that we have not seen in, in our time, we have not seen the church in these numbers allied to this without that critical posture of being able to say what is or is not true about just reality, about this person, about about the claims that are being made it's this is this the issue is that the church itself as you said it's it's that the church has gone along with this yeah. and the church is meant to stand athwart these things and to actually call society to a, a different way of being a different yeah. way of reckoning with king jesus rather than any earthly yeah. power right so this moment then feels to, i mean it feels to me like the end of i mean i when i was talking to uh Mark Laberton, you know, like, you know, he's running a seminary. He's got to, he's got to keep the wheels on the, on the bus. He's got a lot of things, you know, uh, pulling on his, 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 uh, kind of, 
his uh, thoughts and his attentions and stuff. Um, but I really felt like it was a moment uh, that this has become a moment which I, I can no longer associate my myself or my sort of like, like just how I even think of my own understanding of Christianity with evangelicalism anymore. That, that there's something that is over here. That is something that has has been revealed, the fruit of something that was years in the making has been has been revealed and it's rotten, that there is rotten fruit here, that it may have had all sorts of um, vaguely good-looking things along the way or even sincere intentions along the way in various uh, aspects or whatever, um, but that there is a decisive, I don't know, it's a turning point, but there's a decisive end or judgment on something here that, you know, I mean, you or I are, are, are going to be in the minority here, obviously, if the percentages are anything like you said. So we're probably going to be heard as alarmist, overly whatever, you know, um, too dramatic, you know, uh, too whatever. But I, I really feel like this is the end of something that that there there has to be, as you said, the, the danger would be that for most people it won't be and they'll continue to move forward as though nothing changed. Yes. But that it's important you and I both feel convicted to sort of mark something here as being through, as being done, as being sort of revealed, as being, I think, judged for what was really at its heart, which was, frankly, power by any means necessary from what I can see. Um, so would you agree with that, that, there, that, that we would at least want to call something or, I mean, is that, is that too sharp? Well, I think, I think there's a problem there. Okay. And, and here's the problem that I discussed with you is that, um, you mentioned the younger generation, um, just easily rejecting this and seeing through it. True enough. Yeah. Which, which is, you know, my generation was in the same place. Uh, you know, a generation ago of being able to see through a certain amount of hypocrisy and, and, you know, we're not going there. We're not accepting this. But that doesn't show you the way forward. That shows you what you want to reject. Right. But but so how do how do people. OK, so so we have these this way of life that's being just, you know, when you're talking about call it an end, <laughs> this is a way of life. I mean, yeah. we we yeah, right. we have formalities. We. We say, oh, we're going to go down and baptize our children. We're going to take communion. We're going to have all these rituals that reflect the reality of coming to Christ. And all of those things are only, they're only valid if there's a reality behind them. And, and so if you're saying call it an end, what are we, how much are we calling an end? Right. I mean, we're calling an end to all of it. And that's where the, that's what keeps me up at night. Yeah. It's like, okay, so here, Let's talk about about possible future scenarios. Okay. 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 So, um, so let's say uh, things go on as usual, which business as usual. There's a transfer of political power followed by um, uh, perhaps um, uh, a a revival, a restoring. Uh, pandemic goes away go back to the contemporary church scene, act as if the vote never happened. Uh, politics goes on behind the scenes, push and shove. We create all these other issues that we say are really determining stuff. Uh, we're, we're still voting for, for ourselves. You know, we're still voting for what gives us the biggest 401k or, mm. 
or hides and, and defers the racial reckoning for another generation, because that's what's going to happen immediately, is if, if uh, something doesn't happen to acknowledge progress is needed, it's going to defer. It's deferred since the cotton or since the tobacco fields of, of early America. Mm -hmm. It's like we, we need people as servants and slaves. So, so Anglican church, would you justify our societies as having slaves and free people? And, uh, and, and, and it's deferred since then of having to reckon with the differences. Okay. So, so what's going to happen if we go back to normal is there's going to be the same contemporary church. It's going to have new leaders. Okay. Um, and it was interesting to me that Beth Moore called, called out contemporary Christianity. Mm -hmm. of, hey, uh, you know, this is misogynist. You can't, you can't do this. You can't keep going with this. This is, this is not right. Uh, right before the election and, and said, you know, this isn't what we signed up for and tried to make the break and, and just got criticized, oh, yeah. not listened to, right. um, you know, remember Lot's wife uh, became more critical than her voice and, and the voice, voice of Jesus um, speaking down through history of, you know, listen to Beth, will you? Yeah, seriously. Um, and, and not, and not having listened to her. So there'll be new people that step in. Okay. Uh, there'll be new think tanks. There'll be new, uh, groups that come in and go, well, we're the, we're the ones now that lead the way, but it's basically the same structure of this is how we move forward in history with these things, not right at the core of our freedoms. Okay. So, um, so, so let's say you have this, uh, what, what sociologists and economics are predicting, uh, economists are predicting is you have this era of basically come out from under a pandemic, you have a, a, a vibrant economy, you have a roaring 20s type of, mm -hmm. of environment where people are now just, they're going hog wild, man. They know what it means to live in isolation uh, but they've been saving their money and they're coming out. You know? <laughs> uh, so you have this era of almost roaring 20s. Mm -hmm. You have this political uh, voice now that says, we're, we're for America. We're the national Americans. Uh, this, this what, what you hear going on is, is not, uh, it's not, we have to fight this. We have to get back to fundamentals. We have to get back to uh, the, the core of our beliefs. But they're not people who are honest people. They're people who are political people wanting support and votes. They quote scripture, but they proof text scripture. And you have a repeat on history of the 1920s. You have, you have the Klan basically developing, which is, which is claims to be Christian, claims to support, but it's very nationalistic. It's only Christian for some, some who, who's, blood and soil, you know, who, are, who have mm -hmm. the authority here. And, and you have this, this potential here for contemporary Christianity uh, becoming like the Klan in its, in its real spiritual power. Mm. So now we know what happened to the Klan. The Klan now is an isolated, um, uh, it's, it's not debunked, but the people live on, but they live on in delusion. They live in an alternate reality. They're filled with so much hate inside, you could make a case they're not even Christian at mm. all. Uh, they're definitely not committed to Scripture. Uh, they, they use Scripture for their own purposes. And um, so, so unless you head in the right direction as a generation, it doesn't matter that you can see through things. Right. Okay. 
How do you nurture a believer to become a mature believer and have the right walk? What is the way of life? What's going to emerge as the way of life that keeps uh, faithful Christians growing and following Jesus and, and having the right rituals, doing the right things that reflect an inner spiritual reality, but not being consumed by uh, a, a, a group that's you know has other means and other alternatives. That's the challenge. That's the thing that um, that that's difficult. Now, I had a conversation recently which really intrigued me with with a friend who uh, is reformed, fully reformed, and and doctrinally reformed. In fact, ordained in the reformed movement. And the thing that struck me about um, about him was that he was able to see. Um, the, the current debates really clearly almost, I mean, I almost aligned with him in a hundred percent in certain areas. Um, you know, he had, he was from a different part of America. So he had some, some strange ways of viewing a COVID. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and, uh, uh, he does not belong in Southern California, even visiting <laughs> with his attitude. But, um, but but I realized in talking to him that the institutional grounding that he had was saving his soul. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's contemporary Christianity that's the whole problem. Right. It's like we are so unanchored in Christ. Right. We we think we are because we have the language, but we're not anchored. We're we're like the first, uh, you know, a false prophet that comes along that we like. We'll run after him. Right. And so these are the things that I think are our situations of, uh, you know, we, we, we've got to address, we've got to understand. Uh, I, I was never reformed because they, they hadn't, they had too much intellectualism and not enough devotion and heart to Jesus. In my opinion, I could never be that. I could never be rote. Uh, but you know, I could never be fundamentalist either. And yet the fundamentalist helped America get through a pretty rough period of time in the 1920s and, 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 and whatnot. So, you know, all of these things are, they're big question marks. They're looming issues over uh, how we, how we move forward as, as a community of faith, uh, what we're affiliated with, associated with, um, you know, uh, these are just, these are just huge uncertainties and there's dangers of making too quick a presumption in saying we can go on as we were right and 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 be okay right uh, that is what's interesting to me what you said there about you know there are institutional forms of christianity um you know whether it's the reformed or um I was talking to um reverend butler uh just the other day um uh anglican you know and and those you know the the vibe was always oh people are moving away from denominations that doesn't matter anymore, um, but the people who seem to be le- much more inoculated to the kind of thing that our people <laughs> have, have been infected with um, are the are the more institutional forms of of the church, and yet like you said you know for for you and I you know there are reasons that we hadn't become that. Um, even if there's so much common cause, you know, um, with, with some of those deeper, uh, more historic, uh, tradition, uh, institutional forms of the church. Um, so 
I think you're saying whatever we do next, you don't want to do it impulsively. You want to, you want to be cautious and careful about the path forward. One thing that we know is the way you walk with Jesus. I mean, the world may be transformed and it may be very difficult to parse because of the amount of Christianity that is going to move forward. Um, though it's been completely, um, emptied, um, of its, of its witness of its content. Um, but, but walking with Jesus is still walking with Jesus, right? I mean, that there, there is still a way, right? That is, that is the way of the Lord through the word in the power of the spirit. But it's almost like none of those terms travel outside of a handful of places or people that I know. All of those terms are used by everyone. Yes. Yeah, and, and they mean totally different things. They're idealistic. And that's what I'm saying the problem is. Yeah. Let me give you a concrete example, okay? okay? So y- your generation, let's, let's, uh, let's just talk about millennials because it's fun to talk about millennials. Hooray! Okay, <laughs> so, so millennials have a... I, I've, always, I've always told you this, and I've told everybody I've ever known this. Millennials have a better sense of justice than baby boomers. Baby boomers are like hoodwinked into certain things, uh, misogyny and racism are two of them. Um, and, and, and there would be improvements along the way. So, so justice, you know, uh, treating people fairly, criticized as political correctness, but, but hey, uh, if you respect people for, for everyone, give everyone a chance, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, even if you have a set of rules that say don't mock people, mm-hmm. you know. So, so all that said, okay, so there are certain things that, that millennials will not tolerate well that are part of contemporary Christianity are, and the reason why they're in contemporary Christianity. They like the models. They like the contemporary church model, the big uh, you know, worship session model, get caught up together. Um, and they like the model in their mind, the, the, the reality of, of, a, of an authority structure. A pastor who's perfect and loving and always says the right things and, and always acts the right way. And, and he's my friend. He's my, he's my bud. He's my, my Jesus representative on earth. And I'm probably overstating this and offending some millennials, but I'm, but I'm trying to make a point here. So the model of, of how the church works is, is ingrained in millennials. So, so I come along as, as a pastor teaching, realizing there's certain weaknesses in, in what we've been teaching. We've got to strengthen and, and make things a little more formative for the future. And I start teaching, for example, that there is a wrath of God. There is a God who's going to judge uh, everyone. And those who don't have Christ are going to be judged in the negative and have a big problem. I start teaching that, and all of a sudden, millennials are like, we're not signing up for this. Yeah, right. We don't believe in anger. No way. This is an angry God. <laughs> I, and, and man, I got so many issues of my own, that anger just triggers me, and, yeah, and yeah, I can't yeah. even be around that. Yeah. Okay, so, so this is the problem. Yeah. Okay, if, if, if we're going to go forward and teach the Word of God in a balanced way, it's going to benefit everybody, but people are going to fall out. Yeah. They're going to resist it. So as a community of faith, you have to hang together, and you have to say, you have to say, I'll hold your hand. We can get through this, okay? Yeah. We can we can consider the wrath of God. It's it's not, it, it's been turned away from us. We'll yeah. be okay. Right. It doesn't have to remind you of your dad or right. whatever, right. you right. know? And and we, we, we have to be able as a community of faith to love each other where we need loving 
But the goal needs to be a fully informed, rounded faith that's completely filled with, with truthful doctrine and practices that are not, that are not uh, ritualistic to the point of, of not having meaning. Uh, and, you know, and basically, you know, it, it, it has to be a community of faith that's, that's different, uh, different than the contemporary church. I mean, the contemporary church in America uh, is, is loaded with trap doors and, and they've all been opened up and all the people have fallen through into the place where we didn't ever want them to go. And, you know, so and it isn't just a, an I. It isn't just a. Uh, it isn't just spotting it. It isn't just oh, I see that's wrong. Mm-hmm. It's like where do we go? What do we do? Yeah. And what I appreciate about about that, especially you know, you you opened you know this this conversation, um, talking a little bit about us more personally about Zoe about transition. You know your your original sketch of you know retirement and things like this and. And yet what's so critical about this moment and what's so critical about, about any kind of transition at any moment is like you're saying, it can't just be a transition from a generation to another generation because each generation is offended. Each generation is blind in, in their way um, that it, it is no longer that the easy sort of like, Oh, okay, well, as you said before, like, oh, now the young people with the energy and the, you know, <laughs> the fashion to kind of carry things forward. It, there are so many uh, blind spots. It's such a mixed thing that it isn't going to be a, okay, well, because one thing would be tempting to say, well, what, what this is then is this is the judgment on a, a sort of a boomer evangelicalism a you know mega slash church growth slash moral majority slash whatever evangelicalism and that it's a it's a the lord's gonna let that generation die out right it's just like that like let it go like it's just gonna it's gonna it can only run out at some point you know it can't go on forever or at least at least everybody you know a little bit younger than that has no problem seeing through so many of those issues that we were talking about right um but they are not set up for right generationally they have sensitivities that would blind them to yes. the clear demands of Scripture yeah. in the very way that you just described. And so it isn't some easy, okay, well, we just move forward with sort of the younger version of things. or with, yeah. <laughs> you know, Well, more. and let me, let me give you a concrete example yeah. of what you're saying, how yeah. true what you're saying is true. You know that the Klan today has young people in it. So, <laughs> right. so, so let, me, let me ask you now, yeah, yeah. now, do you see the possibility of a remnant in the clan? Right. I mean, is there a way in which they go forward into a new generation? Uh, proud boys, yeah. I mean, you, you're getting a you're getting a whole thing, and they, and they're guys who look they look like me. I mean, they're yes, <laughs> yeah. That's that's what I'm saying. Terrifyingly, it's like, like you can't just pick up what right. what was clearly taken off track and right. directed and diverted a different right. way. Right. You can't just pick it up and go. Well, we're just going to carry it on better in yeah. in a way that makes that brings life back to it. Right. And, and that's a problem. That's a huge problem. And the model, this isn't just about us redesigning the model of the contemporary church. Right. This is about faith. How does faith go forward? And, you know, the model has always been, uh, 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 you know, mature, passing the faith on to the less mature. It's always been about, uh, you know, that hand-to-hand transmission from the start. And, and that's where... Um, you know, back to the 
back to the nightmare of we we're not just Christians here now who who meet in Solomon's portico and, and we know Jesus. So we meet together while all the other institutions conduct themselves. But we got Jesus. Mm. And, you know, this is Acts 242. We meet often. We break bread. We sing together. We commit ourselves to the disciples teaching and we move on. This is more like after 70 A.D. of, of mm. the institutions destroyed. Do we rebuild it? Do we go forward? How how do we react to the fact that that this terrible disaster happened and became a cult? What what do we do? And and the dilemma is is we're facing some some long hard times and a tough road. Mm-hmm. We're facing uh, own introspection. Yeah. There's going to be a falling out. Yeah. Uh, you know and and you know the the things that we're facing we have to really love the good news. Right. We have to really realize, at least I'm not damned and judged because right. of my sin. <laughs> right. and, and we have to be able to rejoice in that right. uh, and, and realize that if there's tough things to face and there's tough roads to hoe, yeah. that, uh, that we'll be okay that way and, and to do it in a way that, that uh, doesn't step into the irrelevance of where things are right now. Right. Right. Well, John, let's put a bookmark in it there. Um, I know we have more things that we want to talk about, um, but this was a, I mean, you know, it's a conversation. It's a, it's thinking things through that are very much happening right in front of us. And, you know, we're both trying to say, what can we answer to the Lord for Um, as Christians, as, as ministers, like, you know, reckoning with our own teaching, reckoning with, you know, how we've shaped or, or not shaped people in certain ways and and saying, you know, we got to be able to stand before the Lord with the things that we're doing and saying and deciding right now, even if they're tough things, even if 80% of, of people we might know um, think we're crazy or think um, that they're, they're not going that way. Um, you know, that's all it comes down to. I think, you know, for the both of us, it's just, there's no, there's no agendas left. There's no, there's no room for any of that. There's no, there's no opportunity for that. It doesn't even, that's not even on the table. Those issues of, of ambition or those issues of uh, a movement here or there, as you say, it's like, this is a, there's a wasteland moment. There's, there's, there's a rubble heap and, and we want to know carefully, cautiously, prayerfully uh, seeking the Lord. What, what do we want to be able to answer for? (laughs) What do we want to be able to say? Okay. He appointed us to be here in this place at this time, um, to to lead whoever would would be a part of this this uh, this fellowship, this community of faith, um, and 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 these are the things that we are going to answer for, and 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 let the rest of it be the rest of it. But um, I'm happy to be in it with you, and uh, it is <laughs> it's it's a it's a heck of a moment. But I'm 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 really thankful not to be in it by myself, and and to be able to talk these things out and think these things through with you, and and uh, and with our our church, and with uh, anybody who's listened to these podcasts who mm-hmm. who maybe feels that so many things were hard to hear or or triggered a lot of things, but. But maybe there is something here um, that is worth hearing and that is authentic. And, um, and, and we hope that, that more people would be able to see that, that this is a decisive moment. And the Lord is going to be able to, to lead us through, even if it is 
remnant through a rubble heap. Uh, yeah. And Dave, I, I am grateful for the opportunity to just share my heart without, uh, you know, without having to uh, uh, be able to rationally prove everything that's said, just to show you what I see as trends and, and just to discuss it. You yeah. know, it's like we, we're at the end of an era where people's opinions, you know, we look at opinions as having to dominate, you know, or we're not going to listen to it or accept it. And, and we're people going through life experience and our experience uh, matters somewhat. And, and so I appreciate being able to just uh, share it. Yeah, thank you. And thank you uh, for, for, for listening. Um, those of you who, who have been tuning in um, this, this last season or this, and the season before, it's, it's been encouraging just to hear um, some of the conversations and some of the, some of the interactions that I've had, um, even some emails I've gotten with people who, who felt like, oh, I thought I felt or saw something, um, but didn't have a lot of encouragement to think it through. And, uh, and this is, this is helpful. Um, so I hope it, I hope it has been. That's our time, my friends. If you would like to support the podcast, please do subscribe and rate us on iTunes. And if you would like even more content and to become a patron of the podcast, head on over to FromBabylonWithLove.com, click on Newsletter, and sign up there. Until then, many thanks to producer Zach Leach for all the twists and turns and to Lonesome and Muddy, the only house band that'll survive the apocalypse. This has been From Babylon with Love.